Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we look into the Levites and their role throughout Jewish history. Let's get started. One very unique and beautiful element about the Jewish religion and Jewish culture is that many of us can trace our historical roots back, literally, millennia. If you don't believe me, think about those who call themselves high priests or Kohenim. These Jewish people today who are Kohenim can trace their family lineage back to Aaron, the brother of Moses, somewhere around the 15th century before the Common Era. These Kohenim, descendants of Aaron, were tasked with running the day-to-day religious elements concerning the Ten Commandments, the Ark of the Covenant, and the traveling tabernacle in the desert. This was until Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, when all of their jobs were centralized in the temple itself. An even older tradition exists, that is of the Leviim, or priestly tribe. Aaron and Moses were both Leviim, and therefore the Kohanim are actually a subsection of Leviim, with a more strict role in the temple. The Leviim take their name from their forefather, Levi, the third son of the patriarch Jacob, later renamed Israel, and our matriarch Leah. This would have been sometime around 1652 to 1505 BCE, or before the Common Era. The tribe of Levi was held to a higher standard and selected as special among the rest of the Israelites due to their lack of participation in the events of the Golden Calf. Prior to the situation of the Israelites losing confidence in God and Moses, it was actually the eldest children who were held as a higher standard in Judaism. However, this responsibility was transferred at Mount Sinai to the Levites after the Israelites sinned against God with the golden calf. Although some traditions claim that the Levites held a higher standard even before Moses and Aaron, according to some, the Levites were not required to participate in some of the back-breaking labor in Egypt and fulfilled more of a spiritual role among the Israelites. Following gaining the unique responsibility of becoming God's priests on earth, the Levites, unlike all of the other children of Jacob, did not receive land in Israel because of their duties to the future temple and the Israelite people. According to the Torah, each tribe of Israel was required to set aside space in their given territory for the Levites. The Levites would receive support from their communities in order to fulfill their duties as part of the religious requirements of early Judaism. These cities were known as cities of refuge and were actually set aside before any other tribe received land. These cities, God decreed, would provide a safe space for Israelites who may have accidentally hurt others or needed help in any other way. With no land of their own, the Levites were not able to farm. Additionally, their temple duties may have prevented them from investing themselves in a work trade. They were supported through a system of tithes and other gifts outlined in the Torah. Every Jewish farmer gave a tenth of his produce to the Levites. Before Solomon built the temple, the Israelites had a mobile tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant and other religious items that required the Israelites to break down, travel with, and rebuild every time they stopped. Following the building of the temple, the Levites performed many of the day-to-day functions of the temple and ensured that it ran smoothly for the Kohanim, the high priests, to be able to fulfill their jobs. This tradition is incredible and so unique to the Jewish people. The Levite people today can trace their roots back to being related to Moses and those who walked day-to-day in the temple in Jerusalem. If you've ever met anyone with the last name Levi, Halevi, or Levine, or even sometimes Horowitz or Epstein, 
They may come from the tribe of Levi and were once priests in the Jerusalem temple. Although some people's names do not make that obvious connection, I am one of those Levites. I can trace my roots through my father and his father and his father all the way back to the Jerusalem temple. Since I was young, my father told me that we were Levites, but it really never meant much to me as an unaffiliated Jewish kid. Once I started preparing for my bar mitzvah, it became much more important to know that I'm from the tribe of Levites because of the requirement to add that title to my Hebrew name. Again, I found myself less interested in my own history and just filed this as information good to know, but moved on with my life. But I really never appreciated this connection to this lineage until recently. I have become much more involved in the practice of Judaism and reading the Torah. I keep seeing the word Levite and their importance in the Jewish practice. I started to listen and read more about the Leviim to see what my ancestors did. Not many people can trace their heritage back thousands of years, but also be able to pinpoint what their ancestors did on a day-to-day basis. One of the most common and obvious places to find this information is on every Saturday, right before the Torah reading. There is a prayer spoken called the Song of the Day of Shabbat. It recalls on Shabbat how the Leviim, my ancestors, in the temple would say a psalm praising God and pray that God brings all the Jewish people back from around the world in order to praise Him at the temple. This has always stuck with me when I read this weekly. It transports me back to my great-great-grand relatives would have been doing and where they were this time 2,000 years ago. Aside from the Shabbat services, we could see in the book of Numbers what day-to-day life would have been for my relatives before the temple was built by Solomon. As it says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring forth the tribe of Levi, and present them before Aaron, the Kohen, that they may serve him. They shall keep his charge and the charge of the entire community before the tent of meetings to perform the services of the Mishkan. They shall take charge of all the vessels of the tent of meetings and the charge of the children of Israel to perform the services of the Mishkan. You shall give over the Levites to Aaron and his sons. Any outsider or non-Kohen who approaches shall be put to death. These were the names of Levi's sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The Gershonite family, their sum made according to the numbers of males from the age of one month and upward. The tally amounted to 7,500. The Gershonite families shall camp behind the Mishkan to the west. The charge of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meetings include the Mishkan, the tent, its cover, and the screens of entrance to the tent of meeting, as well as all work involved. For the Kohath families, the number of all males aged one month and upward amounted to 8,600. The keepers of the charge of the holy, the families of the Kohath shall camp on the south side of the Mishkan. Their charge includes the ark, the table, the menorah, the altars, and the holy utensils. For the Merari families, their tally according to the number of males at the age of one month and upward was 6,200. They shall camp to the north side of the Mishkan. The appointment of this charge of the sons of Merari includes the planks of the Mishkan, the bars, its pillars, and its sockets, all of its utensils, and the work involved. Camping in front of the Mishkan from the front of the Temple of Meetings towards the east was Moses, Aaron, and his sons, the keeper of the charge of the sanctuary. Sadly, I'm not sure if I will ever be able to know if I come from the lineage of Gershon, Kohath, or Merari. However, once we get to the time of Solomon and Herod's temple in Jerusalem, the Leviim served particular religious duties for the Israelites and had political responsibilities as well. The Levites who were not Kohanim played music in the temple or served as guards of the gates. 
According to the book of Chronicles, the Levites were also responsible for putting the special bread on the table in the temple and for the flour and grain offerings that they were given in order to make the bread without yeast. They were also responsible for the baking pans and the mixed offerings. They did all of the measuring to make sure it was correct. The Levites stood every morning and gave thanks and praise to the Lord. They also did this every evening. The Levites prepared all of the burnt offerings to the Lord on the Sabbath day, during the new moon celebrations, and to the other special meeting days. They served before the Lord every day. I don't know if many other people on this earth can know so clearly what their ancestors were doing thousands of years ago on a day-to-day basis. In addition to the work in and around the temple, the Levites also had somewhat of a secondary role. Aside from guards and protectors of the Ark of the Covenant, the Temple, and the Ten Commandments, they were also warriors. According to Exodus 32, when the Israelites committed the sin of the golden calf, something that the Levites did not participate in, Moses demanded that it was the same Levites, the protectors of God's law and the seat on earth, to ensure justice is taken care of. Moses demands that the Levites go through the camp from gate to gate to put to death any and all Israelites who instigated the events of the golden calf and for those who'd sinned against God. In the end, the Levites put to death 3,000 people following God's demand. Interestingly, in a commentary on this passage by Mark Brettler, scholar of biblical studies, he suggests that this was, in a way, somewhat of a coronation of the Levites as the defenders of God on earth. He says... Unlike in a ceremony in an earlier passage, the Levites had ordained themselves by the passionate loyalty to God, despite social and family ties. Similarly, the famous Rabbi Rambam in his commentary on this same section says, It is for this reason that Moses said to the Levites, For the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel, for the service is to the God of Israel, and to his name they were separated by the virtue of this meritorious deed. Clearly, the Levites were not only holy people in their service to God, but they were able and willing to fight for God in all different ways. We had seen this before from the Levites' namesake. Levi, the father of the future Levites, had an incident where he took justice into his own hands. In the book of Genesis, chapter 34, we hear of an incident involving Levi, his brother Shimon, and his sister Dina. Dina, a daughter of Jacob and sister of Levi, was in the area of Shechem, modern-day Nabalus, and she was raped by a local prince. In return, the prince had his father contact Jacob in hopes to take Dina as his bride. Levi and Shimon suggest that giving their sister to an uncircumcised man would be a disgrace to their religion, and that he and his people should commit to being circumcised and circumcising all of their men before the marriage would be possible. Three days after the entire region had the incredibly difficult ancient circumcision procedure, Levi and Shimon go to the city and murder the entire town as a punishment for their treatment of their sister. When Jacob shows his distaste and anger towards his sons for their actions, their response is direct and explains their passion for upholding justice. They rebut their father and question if they were expected to allow their sister to be treated so poorly without any ramifications. Clearly, Levi and his future Levites were willing to do what it took in order to do what is right for their family, their God, and their religion. As a Levite and a descendant of these warrior priests with a special place in Jewish practice, I have such pride in my ancestors. Even today, we see the importance of the Levites in Judaism. For anyone who is familiar with the processes and procedures in a modern synagogue, they would know that the Levites, along with our cousins the Kohanim, have a special place in Shabbat services. The Kohanim received the first Aliyah, or Torah portion reading, 
Second is always given to the Levites. In the event that there's no Kohen in the room, a Levite can stand in their place to do the first Aliyah. Similarly to our Kohen cousins, our Hebrew names are always followed with Levi to show our special title as God's priests. Funny enough, when I was called up for my first Aliyah at my new synagogue many years ago, my rabbi jokingly said to me when he found out that I was a Levite that I am one of those, quote, special Jews. Obviously, he meant this jokingly, but it is somewhat true, and has been true for over 3,000 years. In the end, the fact that the Leviim can trace their lineage back to one man, a son of Jacob, is beyond anything most people can even comprehend. Imagine today you were to find out that you are distantly related to the King of England, and knowing that you can now tie your history to the history found in many history books. This is exactly the reality for the 4% of Israelites who are from the tribe of Levi. We can trace our roots back through the second temple, the first temple, to Moses himself, who is identified as a Levite. We can read the Torah and the prophets and know exactly what our ancestors did in the desert mobile tabernacle, in Jerusalem temple, and even more. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to truly understand the weight of the history and this reality, but I sometimes think about how I can carry on that tradition. I've tried to take on this role once held by my people to passionately serve God and use this in my daily life. I have taken the same passion of my ancestors who stood at Mount Sinai and became the warrior priests of God and put it into my daily life. This is how I went from being part of the congregation of priests in the Holy Temple to a podcaster spreading the beauty and history of the Jewish people. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.